Hello, this is TechBiter Worldwide, formerly Technology Corner, for the week of January 21st, 2007. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour. We leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. You've probably heard me grumble a time or two about less than perfect service from Wide Open West. And given what I pay every month for service, I think I'm justified in grumbling about it. But still, I do have what passes for high-speed access most of the time. I don't have to use a phone line to connect to my ISP. I don't have to put up with slow connect speeds like, oh, say, for example, 24 kilobits per second, as some people I know do. They live on top of a hill in Harrison County. There is no high-speed Internet access available there. Their one local ISP was recently sold to a corporation, and that corporation seems intent on driving away all current customers. In fact, it has done that to the folks I know. They have recently signed up with another company, but it's still a low-speed dial-up connection on rural telephone lines that aren't adequate for even 56-kilobit connections. So, yeah, I'm thankful, I'm happy that I do have high-speed Internet connection. It does make a big difference. So I count my blessings there. I also go beyond that and take a look at things like libraries. You know probably that I am a big fan of libraries. Central Ohio has a lot of them. I live in Worthington, so I have a Worthington library card. One of the nice things about that is Worthington is part of the Discovery Place system. That's the Columbus Metropolitan Library. So anything I find in the Columbus Metropolitan Library's catalog can be delivered in just a day or two to the Worthington Library where I can pick it up. Nice. That means I can obtain any book, CD, or DVD in the entire Franklin County system. There are some other libraries that are not part of the Franklin County system, I can easily drive past either the Upper Arlington Main Library or one of the branches when I drive home from the office. It's also only a small distance out of the way for me to go past the Grandview Heights Public Library. So I have library cards from all of those systems. In December, I heard an interview on the Bob Edwards Show on XM Radio. It was with a musician named Will Kimbrough, who I'd not heard of before. His latest CD, called Americanitis, sounded like something I would enjoy. So I quickly looked at the Worthington Library's catalog. They didn't have it. Neither did the Upper Arlington Library. Grandview Heights didn't have it either, but it was on order at the Fairfield County Library. And Grandview Heights has an agreement with Fairfield County. I placed a reserve on the CD. It hasn't arrived yet, but I'll get to hear it someday. I got to thinking about computer monitors not too long ago. The first computer I had, well, it was more like a overgrown programmable calculator, had a single line display. And if I'd gone back far enough and really gotten interested in computers back in the 70s, well, back then I would have had a computer with lights on the front, no monitor, and no real way to store a program. But my first real personal computer had a 12-inch monitor. The background was black In my case, the text was amber. The other choices in those days were white or green. Uh, There were no graphics. Then Windows arrived. Larger screens turned out to be what was needed for that. Higher resolution turned out to be better, too. The best of all worlds these days might be two or three monitors, each with a different function. And in fact, recently I replaced an LCD screen 
with a widescreen model. The model I had previously was in the process of dying, and when I started looking, I decided that maybe what would work nicely would be a 19-inch widescreen monitor. It's a ViewSonic that's 1440 by 900 pixels. It's quite a bit shorter than my previous model, but also quite a bit wider. That extra width lets me put Photoshop and InDesign menu panels outside the document. It's not quite the same as having two monitors. Do you need two monitors? Well, maybe, maybe not. For some people, it would make a big difference. For other people, not much at all. Photo editing programs, graphics applications, publishing programs. Those are the primary applications that could really be helped by an extra monitor or a large wide monitor. It's really nice to be able to put all the clutter on one screen or one side of the screen and what you're working on elsewhere. One thing to remember about LCD monitors is they have a native resolution. In the case of my ViewSonic monitor, 1440 by 900. I can run this monitor at other resolutions, but if I do, the text is going to be fuzzy. Unlike CRTs, the cathode ray tube, the old-style monitors, LCD monitors cannot be run well at resolutions other than their native resolution. You can change resolutions all day long on a CRT, and the text will look just as sharp at any of those resolutions. You can't do that on an LCD, so it's important that you see the LCD you're thinking about in operation at the resolution you plan to run it at, which should be the monitor's native resolution. At the time, I was having a conversation with someone who was thinking about purchasing a second monitor. and She told me that the salesperson had told her some video cards won't allow you to show the whole screen on both monitors. You'd have your start menu on one monitor, and any icons you'd placed on the right side of the screen would be on your second monitor. Although that's true, the secret to buying computer equipment is to avoid stores where salespeople say things like that and dealing with stores where the salespeople are smart enough to ask what you want to accomplish and then make recommendations that will allow you to do what you want to do. So how do you figure out what size monitor you need? First thing to remember, it's important to keep in mind that a CRT is probably going to be about an inch less diagonal measurement than what is cited because of the way CRTs are measured. If they tell you it's an 18-inch monitor, the viewable area is going to be about 17 inches. With an LCD monitor, on the other hand, if they tell you it's 18 inches, it's 18 inches. The number of pixels is important, too. If you have a 14 or 16-inch monitor, and it's 1600 by 1200, the text is going to be tiny. If you have a 21-inch monitor, and it's 1600 by 1200 pixels, the text is going to be large. It's the same number of pixels spread out over a larger area. The person I was speaking with said she was trying to come up with some sort of an indicator number that would help her tell in advance what kind of combination of screen size and resolution she'd like based on what she liked on her current CRT. At that time, she had a 17-inch CRT running at 800 by 600. Thinking about that makes my head hurt because the text would be enormous. She said that on her 17-inch CRT at 1024 by 768, the text looks too small. I would consider that just about right, but that's me. When it comes to monitors, there's really only one way to be certain you're going to get what you want, and that is to see the monitor in operation at the resolution you plan to use it. 
There are lots of things that can change. Windows offers large fonts and small fonts. Making those changes makes gross overall changes in the way things are displayed. But you can also use the Display Properties setting to set specific sizes for system display, menus and such. And you can set a zoom feature in many applications, Word, InDesign, CorelDRAW, for example. And that controls the size of text in a document you're working on. So what it all comes down to is, you're buying a new monitor, you better see it. In nerdly news this week, who owns iPhone? Cisco Systems claims to own the iPhone trademark via its Linksys InfoGear division. Mentioned that last week. But now it appears that Cisco used open source software improperly. That would be a major problem and a significant impediment to Cisco's attempt to hold up the release of Apple's iPhone. Cisco owns the trademark on the name iPhone. Apple is using it. Cisco is annoyed. Cisco hasn't published the source code for the WIP300 iPhone. This seems to be a violation of the company's open source licensing agreement under the GPL. GPL is the GNU General Public License. GPL controls precisely how commercial enterprises can use open source software. The WIP300 is based on Linux, and using that technology, Cisco agreed to comply with terms of the open source GPL license. Armagen Hemmel, who is a consultant with Lewis Consulting, says the firmware for the phone is legal, but Cisco didn't share the code for some of the programs in the phone. So as you know from last week's program, Cisco filed a lawsuit charging Apple with trademark infringement because Apple introduced a cell phone that's called iPhone. So we have two problems. How will these be resolved? Stay tuned. Does it seem like I talk about copy protection often? (laughs) Copy protection on DVDs makes it difficult for people who buy the DVDs to make copies and give them to their friends. That's probably good. Copy protection on DVDs makes it difficult for people who buy the DVDs to make copies they can take with them on business trips, meaning they would risk losing or damaging their original. That's not so good. Copy protection on DVDs does absolutely nothing to discourage the pirates who make illegal copies and duplicate them by the thousands. That's not good at all. So, to recap, copy protection provides the maximum amount of annoyance for the people who buy your product and does absolutely nothing to keep professional thieves at bay. One would think that DVD publishers would catch on to that simple fact and do something else to encourage people who might otherwise copy a friend's DVD to buy their own. What might that something be? Well, what if the DVD came with the equivalent of liner notes? Some CD publishers, not the big guys, mostly the small independents, have started including booklets with their CDs. The booklets are illustrated, and they add value to the CDs. They are also impractical to copy. People who might otherwise copy a CD buy their own because they want the extras. Now, Hollywood is reputed to be home to some pretty clever and creative marketers. Maybe someday these guys will figure out that annoying the people who buy your product isn't a good long-term business model. The first high-definition DVDs are out. They come with copy protection, all of them. But already that copy protection has been cracked, and the movies are being distributed on the Internet via BitTorrent. Let's face it, Hollywood, data consists of ones 
and zeros. It is intended to be copied, and efforts to make it uncopyable are ultimately futile and doomed to fail. It seems to me that the movie and music businesses have yet to comprehend that. Maybe someday they will. Drop me a note. Let me know where in the world you are. Let me know what you think of the format. Let me know what you think of the new web format. The address, bill.blinn, B-L-I-N-N, at techbiter, T-E-C-H-B-Y-T-E-R dot com. And thanks for listening. This has been TechBiter Worldwide for the week of January 21st, 2007. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website at www.techbiter.com, and you can also send email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.